0: Last week, there was a huge victory for opponents of euthanasia and assisted suicide in Canada in a case that determined that doctors must obtain consent before removing life support from a patient. The case was that of Mr. Rasuli, who apparently was misdiagnosed as being in a persistent vegetative state since October 2010. According to his family, and apparently this is the case, he is conscious and able to communicate. He relies on the use of a ventilator. The Supreme Court of Canada upheld the unanimous decision of the Ontario Court of Appeal that requires doctors to obtain consent from patients or substitute decision-makers before withdrawing life-sustaining treatment where such a decision is anticipated to result in the death of the patient. And that's where I think we need to make a huge clarification because a lot of people think that the church teaches that we must prolong life no matter what, but that is not what the church teaches. The Church merely teaches that we must not do anything to hasten death or, in effect, to kill the patient. If the patient is dying, then we are called to make them as comfortable as possible to ease their pain, but not necessarily keep them alive by extraordinary means. However, if the person is not dying, if they are breathing on their own, their heart is beating, as was the case of Terry Schievel. Then, withdrawing food and water is, in effect, murder. Terry Schivel was not dying. She was not on a respirator. She was healthy. Food and water were administered through a feeding tube, but feeding a patient who cannot feed him or herself is not considered extraordinary care. Food and water are very much ordinary care. But the case of Mr. Rasuli highlights another concern, and that is that of consent. If euthanasia and assisted suicide were legalized, the fear is that doctors would be making decisions based on misdiagnosis or even on what's more convenient or cheaper, rather than on what's in the best interest of the patient. For some patients, their best interest is to let them die naturally and comfortably. Doing things to hasten their death or killing them is never in the patient's best interest. I'm Deacon Pedro and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, I'm Deacon Pedro. First of all, we have a winner for last week's featured album, Mater Eucharistie, and the winner is Char de sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, but congratulations, you've won a copy of the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist's new album, Mater Eucharistie, Char de Lippe, please send us an email to radio at TV.org so we can mail you your prize. And if you'd like to enter our weekly draw, you have to go to saltandlighttv.org radio, scroll down a bit and look on the right side where it says, stay connected for a chance to win weekly prizes. All you need to do is enter your name and your email address. Every Saturday we draw a name. And you can see also there who are our previous winners in case you've missed it. And today we have all our usual features and our parenting expert, Jillian Cantor, returns to tell us what she learned from her kids this week. That's going to be in about 15 minutes. And in our second half hour, we'll be airing a conversation that I had with Sister Marie Paul Curley a couple of weeks ago about her new books, Saints Alive, The Faith Proclaimed and Saints Alive, The Gospel Witnessed. So that's in about half an hour. And our featured band is a new group that I met this summer at World Youth Day in Rio, the Jacob and Matthew Band. They're doing great work, so we'll be speaking with two band members towards the end of the program. But let's begin with their song, All Around, from their album, Every Day.
1: Redeemer, Prince of Peace Christ the Savior Lord of everything The song of salvation That we sing Is all for the honor
0: and Matthew Band with All Around, from their album Every Day. We're going to be chatting with two band members, Michael Paul and Matthew Leon, in our second half hour, and in five minutes, Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. But first, Alicia is here with our news.
2: Yes, and I've got some interesting stuff this week. Yes. So I'm starting with an international story. You may have heard of this. It's about a uh, bishop from Germany who's been making headlines. He has been uh, dubbed the bling bishop, yes. the bishop of Limburg. Yes, we've heard. Yes, because of his extravagant spending. Now, he has been given a leave of absence uh, this week, and an administrator has been appointed to Limburg. Now, renovations to Bishop Franz Peter Tebart von Eltz's residence and a couple of offices in his residence ended up costing about 40 million dollars. They were supposed to be about 5 million euros. Which is still a lot. Still a lot, (laughs) but came in at 40 million dollars. All the while, he was cutting diocesan programs. So Mm. that angered the faithful. And his priests were also upset because they said he had been running the diocese diocese in a very authoritarian manner. So they actually used one Sunday. They got together and all of their homilies were about the habits that they did not like in their bishop. And as a result of that, in September, the Vatican sent the retired Cardinal Laiolo Laiolo, up to Limburg to investigate what was going on. And from that investigation, uh, Bishop von Elst agreed that he would publish financial information and cooperate with a commission of the German Bishop's Conference to -hmm. look further into his spending. He then flew to Rome on Ryanair, low-cost airline, no frills, and met with Pope Francis, and Wednesday it was announced that he is being given uh, time away and an administrator has been appointed. Now he's not being suspended or removed, that's important to say. Um, and it, this indicates that he's probably being asked to reflect on what he's done, right. on his priorities and whatnot. But he does show that Pope Francis is not going to tolerate uh, no. extravagance of any kind from his bishops.
0: Yes, good, at least he doesn't own his own jet.
2: Well, that, we, that we know of, yes. yes. <laughs> Now, in Canada this week, the Supreme Court ruled that doctors cannot choose to end life support services without consent of the patient's family. Yes. This comes out of that case that you were referring to in your commentary, Pedro, but this ruling only applies to the province of Ontario. Now, for those who aren't familiar with the case, the family of Hazan Razuli has been fighting to keep him on life support since 2010 when he fell into a coma after surgery for a benign tumor. Doctors at Toronto's Sunnybrook Hospital listed his state as vegetative and pressured the family to take him off life support. Mm -hmm. The family refused for religious reasons, they are Muslim and they hold the same life values that Catholics do. And, but also because his wife is a medical doctor herself and she saw signs right. that he was minima- minimally conscious. So yes. she refused to take him off life support. Um, the doctors did not agree because they did not give him a good prognosis, although Later on, they actually upgraded his condition, but still were pressuring the family to take him off life support. Now, it it um, is worth saying that I think I mentioned this: that the wife herself is a medical yeah, doctor she in is. Iran, She's a physician. which is why she was um, she was recognizing these yes. signs yeah, of yeah, consciousness. Yep. he's communicating. Yep. Yeah. Um, the Supreme Court ruling, of course, is welcomed by pro-life groups, while Sunnybrook Hospital and other physicians are saying this is simply a needed clarification mm-hmm. on a delicate issue. Sunnybrook Hospital could still take the case to a medical tribunal to get consent to remove him from life support, though no decision has been made yet and I think it might not be the wisest decision for the hospital to go to that tribunal because you can imagine the the public backlash. There's already been quite a bit of of public backlash Mm -hmm. in the Toronto area. Reps from Sunnybrook have actually been going kind of door-to-door visiting, yes, visiting homes, trying to like just promote awareness that the hospital is in certain neighborhoods, because there's different parts of this hospital in different neighborhoods, trying to basically do some grassroots PR. Mm -hmm. Okay, turning back to the Vatican, on a lighter note, the Vatican is founding a cricket team. Yay! Yes, cricket. 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 Yes,
0: we know what that is. The
2: sport that is considered the mother of baseball. Yes. You still look confused, Pedro. No, yeah, yeah.
0: There's, there's, yeah, okay.
2: <laughs> so this week, the announcement was made by the Vatican's Pontifical Council for Culture. Players are being recruited from the English college, the Irish college, and from among Indian mm-hmm. priests and seminarians. Mm-hmm. What people don't realize is that cricket is huge, it's not just huge. in the UK, but the Indian subcontinent, the West All Indies, the Australia, well, except for
0: <laughs> Except for Canada, yeah. Although there is a good cricket team we're, here in Canada, we just never hear about them.
2: We're one of the few Commonwealth nations yes. that don't <laughs> don't, yes. don't go in for
0: cricket. Cricket very big in India and so Pakistan. So the
2: goal of this initiative is to organize a competitive cricket series where teams from the various seminaries in Rome will play against each other, and hopefully, even against an Anglican team. Ooh. Yeah. For more on the Vatican cricket team and the use of sport as part of the Council for Culture's work, Catch Vatican Connections, where I talk to Father Eamon O'Higgins about church and sport. That's, That's every Friday at 8 and it'll be available online. And just one last note before mm-hmm. we go, a heads up, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops is preparing for its annual plenary assembly mm-hmm. and we'll have more details about that on next week's Excellent. Self and Light Hour.
0: Alicia Ambrosio, our Salt and Light Hour news producer. You can see Alicia on Vatican Connections. It's online at saltandlighttv.org, and you can also follow her on Twitter, at Vatican This
3: is David Watt from Critical Mass, and you're listening to Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro.
0: You can podcast our show for free at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. You can also visit us there to stay connected with us for a chance to win weekly music prizes. And you can also email us at radio at saltonlighttv.org and ask to be entered. And now it's time for... Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos.
4: Hi, Deacon Pedro. Andrew! Oh, this is, this is wonderful. Good to hear a uh, familiar voice as always.
0: Yes. So who's our saint this week?
4: Okay. Um, we're looking, uh, what I usually like to do is kind of take a look at a saint or two, um, who has their feast day coming up. So yeah. someone that we can look to, someone that we can pray for throughout the coming week until our next salt and light radio podcast. Yeah. Um, so I just thought that today we could look at saints Simon and Jude. Uh, uh-huh. Um, very interesting to uh, look at their stories. Um, so you know when we look at the twelve apostles two of them are simon and jude yes yes yeah, so um on monday this coming monday the church celebrates the feast of saints simon and jude um whose names also occur together in the canon of the mass uh-huh. so we 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 pray and we intercede to them and their their feast days are also celebrated on the same day mm-hmm. uh possibly this may be because they both preached the gospel uh, in mesopotamia when we look at their story and persia where it is said that they had both been sent uh-huh. But in actual fact, Deacon, we know nothing for certain about them beyond what is told us of their being called as apostles
0: right. in the and New Testament. Right. Yeah. And other than that, there's not much, right?
4: Yeah, there's really not much. So St. Jude is the author of a short epistle, which forms uh-huh. part of the New Testament. Right. So um, Jude um, is so named by Luke and Acts. Matthew and Mark called him Thaddeus. Um, he's uh-huh. not mentioned elsewhere in the Gospels, except of course where um, all the apostles are mentioned. Um, scholars in the church hold that he is not the author of the letter of Jude no actually Jude um, has the same name as Judas Iscariot yes um, evidently because of the disgrace I guess of that name we all know <laughs> what Judas did he, yes. he betrayed Christ yeah um, it was shortened to Jude uh-huh. in English yeah. not yeah, many yeah. people know that I, for some reason I always thought there were two distinct names yeah. Jude, Judas yeah. um, Simon is mentioned on all four lists of the apostles um, on two of them he is called the Zealot uh-huh. So, for those listeners who don't know what a zealot is, um, the zealots were kind of like a Jewish sect yeah. that represented an extreme part of the Jewish, of the Jewish people, the Jewish nationalism.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
4: for them, the messianic promise of the Old Testament meant that the Jews were to be a free and independent nation.
0: Yeah, yeah. They were the militant. The yeah, militant sect. Yeah, that's what they were.
4: Yeah. Um, God alone was their king, and any payment of taxes to the Romans, um, basically the very domination of the Romans was a blasphemy against God. Yeah. So no doubt um, some of the zealots were the spiritual heirs of the Maccabees mm-hmm. um, who had their own ideals of religion and independence. But yeah. many were the counterparts of modern terrorists.
0: Yeah, okay? They went on.
4: Yeah. They went on to raid and kill. Uh, they attacked both foreigners and also collaborating Jews. Yeah. So they were chiefly responsible, Deacon, for the rebellion against Rome which ended in the destruction destruction of of Jerusalem. Yeah. And that was in the year 70 after death.
0: Yeah, some people say that Barabbas was a zealot. That's why he was arrested. Yeah, exactly.
4: So um, basically, um, as in the case of all the apostles except for Peter, James, and John, we are faced with men who um, are really unknown. And we really are struck by the fact that their holiness is simply taken to be a gift of Christ. Mm -hmm. So he chose basically Christ chose some very unlikely people Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the story of our faith it goes back to all you know the beginning of the papacy of Peter Peter was not a saint Deacon Pedro Peter was a sinner and look at who God called he called a zealot a former zealot he called a former tax collector yeah uh, a fisherman two sons of thunder and a man named Judas Judas Iscariot so uh, you know we look to Simon and Jude we pray to them in the canon of the mass uh, we give thanks for the gift of their life, and they will be remembered together as part of the Mass on Monday, October the 28th,
0: coming up. Excellent. So Saints Simon and Jude. I did know that Jude is Judas Tadeus, because my grandmother, Andrew, for some reason had a devotion to Saint Jude Thaddeus, and she would all pray to him, San Judas Tadeo every night in Spanish. So I don't know where that devotion comes from, but anyway... So yeah, I, I wonder yeah. what um, yeah. I'm
4: going to look into this more. I, it was just interesting, you know, reading and looking up his, his story. But you know, there is there are some parishes that I know that have um, that have uh, devotions to
0: yeah, St. Jude. Yeah. No, and I know Javier here, our technical director, is, is yelling at me saying that there there's he's either the patron of, of work and money to help people money so they have a devotion. But maybe some of our listeners have a particular devotion to St. Jude, um, and they want to tell us about right? it. To yes. us. Call us? Let us know know
4: know. if you're out there, uh, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio, and you have a devotion to St. Jude. Tell us who you are. We'd love to hear your story.
0: Yes, thank you very much, Andrew.
4: Thank you, Deacon.
0: Andrew Santos, our saint expert.
4: Hello, this is Danielle Rose, and you're listening to the Salt and
5: Light Hour with Deacon Pedro.
0: I'm Deacon Pedro. You can also find me on Facebook, Deacon Pedro, and also on Twitter, at Deacon Pedro GM. And now it's time for What Our Kids Teach Us with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome to our new season of the Salt and Light Hour.
6: Thank you very much. It's great to be back.
0: Yes, hope you had a good summer.
6: I did. I learned so much this summer. Oh, good. And you're going to tell us
0: what you learned this week from your kids.
6: Yes. We are now into fall and back to school. Mm. And for us, not back to school, but going to school for the first time ever. Um, My oldest, Joseph, has uh, begun senior kindergarten this year, and to my delight and a little bit of surprise, he is really loving it. I wasn't sure what to expect. Mm -hmm. He goes all day, every day, so I thought it might be a bit much for him, but he's really enjoying it and thriving, and um, it's just fascinating to watch him and see him kind of be his own person. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's also interesting to hear him when he comes home, what he's telling his brother and his sister about what he does at school
1: really, um, yeah.
6: and just how he acts at school so what from this what Joseph is teaching me is um, how to follow the rules uh, what's funny is hearing him tell Henry in particular about the rules at school and um, Joseph seems to be a very strict rule follower mm-hmm. uh, whether it's his uniform and how he wears it or What the teacher says to him, he is following everything by the book. And I overheard him telling Henry, and there are these boys, and they don't listen to the teacher. She'll call their name five or six times, and they won't even come. And I'm listening (laughs) to this thinking, does this not sound familiar to you? Like, how many times do I have to say your name before you'll come and do something? You're not the
0: teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
6: He'll be reciting all these rules, and I'm thinking, he he says them, or he's telling them, as though they're so novel like this is something you never heard before but meanwhile (laughs) david and i are working so hard to get him to understand and appreciate these rules at home but when it's coming from school and a new person all of a sudden it takes this whole new meaning and he's able to to comprehend them and to apply them to his life so I appreciate that he understands the rules and he wants to respect the authority, but we also realize we need to do a bit more work to get him to understand that we are some authority as well. Yeah. Um, but how I f- was thinking about this in terms of my own life is that um, it's making me wonder, am I following the rules? And if so, where am I following the rules? Am I uh, just keeping up appearances and making sure I look like that um, good mom, good Catholic outside the home, in the community or at church, or am I bringing those, that behavior home, into my house, Um, and is it, uh, am I treating my children and my husband the same way that I'm treating strangers, and Mm -hmm. the people that I, you know, we we want them to have some sort of respect for you and think that you're a good person. Do the people in my own house think I'm a good person? Do they think that I'm following the rules? So it's really keeping me on my toes for my own behavior. And making sure that the same things that we're trying to teach Joseph, that I'm following and following, and also showing him uh, to be an example of of how those rules are played out. So yeah, it's it's, uh, there's new house rules (laughs) all around. (laughs) Starting school has led to, I guess, um, a more organized, rule-aware household.
0: (laughs) Good, good. Kids need rules. They need structure that helps them feel safe. But you're always going to find that they're going to push the limits with the parents that they'll never push with the teacher. (laughs) What fun. How awesome is that? No, that's great. I know. We would go to parent-teacher meetings and they'd say, oh, your kids are
6: perfect.
0: (laughs) And we're like, well, they're not perfect at home.
6: (laughs) Well, we've started now using his teacher's name as a motivator. Oh, Would good. you like me to call your teacher <laughs> and tell her how you're behaving right now? Yeah,
0: exactly. So
6: That's good. It's yes, oh. working to our advantage.
0: Very good. So, <laughs> well, congratulations on uh, senior kindergarten. Yes. that's um, so on, it begins. Yes, excellent. Thank you very much, Jillian.
1: Thank you, Pedro.
0: Jillian Cantor is the producer of the Salt and Light TV program Mothering Full of Grace, and she is the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, and
3: Annie. Hi, this is Curtis Stephen with spiritandsong.com. And you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro.
0: Send us your comments via Facebook at facebook.com slash slradio1 or email us at radio at TV.org And here now is Sheridan with our diocesan update.
7: Hello, hello, friends. Earlier this week, I spoke with Father Fred Monk from Calgary, Alberta, and he's the founder and coordinator of Mission Mexico. For our listeners, Mission Mexico is an outreach project of Catholics in the Diocese of Calgary to marginalize communities in southern Mexico. The mission funds all kinds of initiatives, education, health care, housing, and advocacy. So take a listen. Father Fred, good to speak with you. So tell us, how did the idea for Mission Mexico come about?
8: Well, when I was in high school in the 1960s, a teacher of mine, Father Lawrence Moran, a Brazilian father, Traveled to Mexico one summer, as he had the summer off, to minister to the poor. And he came back that fall, and he shared his, the stories of his experience. And he, he said to us, now, don't believe just everything I say. Go one day for yourself and find out firsthand. Mm-hmm. Now, I never thought I would, but 45 years later, the, the uh, jubilee year 2000, uh, we were looking for a, a, a project in our parish to mark that year. Father Moran at that point had retired and was now working in Tlapa, Mexico, about eight hours south of Mexico City with the poor. So I contacted him and he identified the need for uh, an orphanage uh, that a group of sisters had of an older building they were using and they needed a new facility. So after some discussion and uh, with architects and getting land, it was a hundred thousand dollar project. Wow. So I, sort of did the math and I figured if every one of my parishioners would simply give a dollar every week for a year, we could raise $100,000. So we started January 1st, 2000 um, with uh, the the campaign. And by Christmas Eve of that year, I announced that we'd raised $110,000. Oh, fantastic. And I thought that was going to be it and we would just move on. But uh, people kept bringing more money and saying, (laughs) this has changed our families. It's changed our communities. We need to do more and so one project led to another and another and before we knew it um well i, I approached the bishop and he declared december the twelfth the feast of our lady of guadalupe mission mexico day in our diocese uh, so as a result every parishioner uh, in our, our diocese and every student in our catholic schools is asked to contribute just one dollar on mission mexico day and uh, the result of that uh, over the years now, we've built a convent, a high school, a medical center. We've we funded school libraries, computer labs. We provide bursaries for children to go to school and, and scholarships for university students. Uh, we've uh, raised startup funds for agricultural operations, small businesses, and funded health and human rights uh, projects.
7: Wow, amazing. And, and Bishop Henry once again declared uh, that December the 12th is Mission Mexico Day in the Diocese for this year. That's correct. And that, of course, coincides with the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe.
8: Mm-hmm.
7: How, how do you uh, intend to celebrate this year?
8: Well, this year, once again, we, s- we send out an annual newsletter to all of our schools and our parishes, updating them on what's uh, happening with Mission Mexico. Uh, this year, um, the communities we serve were really devastated by, by flooding uh, with a hurricane in early September. So many of those communities we've barely been able to reach uh, even at this point. Um, we have a full-time person in, in Mexico um, who works for us. He's a great uh, former school teacher from our diocese um, who went down actually 28 years ago to work with Father Moran and for a summer and has remained there Um, and so Mike McDonald coordinates our projects and uh, uh, he's been trying to get them into these communities. Seminarians from the seminary there have been delivering um, clothing and food and and trying to provide some shelter for people in these communities.
7: Okay, we have time for one more question. How has it transformed your life?
8: You know, Sheridan, the poverty was overwhelming for me, uh, the first trip I made there, and it it really marked my life uh, forever. Um, I was impacted by the simplicity and the generosity of people, and the trust that they placed in me, um, and the smiles. I mean, so many smiles, Uh, they were overwhelming. So I promised people there that I would do everything I could to tell their story and to help raise funds to bring new hope for the future. And as a result, our diocese has been blessed in so many ways to be partners with them in building a better future for their families.
7: Thanks so much. It's inspirational stuff. Thanks very much, Father Fred.
8: Thank you for your interest, Jared.
7: I was speaking with Father Fred Monk of St. Michael's Parish. He is the founder and coordinator of Mission Mexico. And to find out more, visit MissionMexico.com.
0: Thank you very much. Hello, Father Fred. Coming up in our second half hour, Sister Marie Paul on Saints Alive, and we meet the Jacob and Matthew Band, so don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2, I'm Deacon Pedro. The Church calls us to holiness, that's the universal call to holiness, and there are lots of books out there that aim to help us in our journey to holiness. But there are two new books published by Pauline Books and Media, Saints Alive, The Gospel Witnessed and Saints Alive, The Faith Proclaimed. And the co-author is our very good friend, Sister Marie Paul Curley. You know her well because she's on this program once a month, giving us her windows to the soul to movies. Well, she took some time off watching movies in order to research and write these books. And I spoke to Sister Marie Paul about her books a few weeks ago. So, Sister, it's great to have you. Um, Why did Why do we need more books about saints?
5: Oh, because we always can learn new things from the saints. Uh, They lived. Uh, you know, there's, there's such a huge diversity and variety of the saints out there when you start really delving into their lives. And uh, so these books, I mean, we, the team of us that came up with the idea and then decided to write them, Sister Maria Leah and I, we uh, wanted to make the saints accessible. We wanted to help people to see that they're real people, that they lived their call to holiness just like we're called to live our call to holiness. And so we, we put them into stories. They're, they're novelized, they're dramatized, they're like reading short stories, rather right. than right. So you made a actual account. Well, <laughs> we tried <laughs> to do as much research as possible, but we did add, you know, lines of dialogue, things that, like, you know, St. Francis' mother could have worried about when yeah. he was going off to live his... Being a crazy... Yeah, movie. he seemed like a holy fool. Yeah. Uh, we, 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 so we put little details in. Uh, okay,
0: speaking of making it up, because the one that, and I think I already asked you this when I first read the book, St. Mark, Oh, yes. Where does that story come from? Because clearly there's no story of St. Mark as a boy. Right. Or is this one that you didn't write? Is that's Sister that's Marie, actually, Mary Sister Radley wrote, wrote,
5: wrote that one. But I, I'm guessing. St. Mark
0: the Evangelist as a little boy.
5: I'm guessing that it came from some of the. Uh, the, some of the writings, the apoc- uh, some of the apocryphal writings, or just writings uh, from that time that weren't considered the inspired. Word so, God.
0: so clear. I mean, it's not necessarily. I mean, and I don't want to imply that that, that it's all made up, at all. <laughs> I mean, these are the the real stories of the real saints. But so why do why is it important to dramatize them?
5: basically to help uh, to help people who don't know anything about the saints to kind of understand or to get into their lives to kind of encounter them really for the first time perhaps now if you already know the saints it's it's kind of fun to see oh what what moment of their life because they're short stories what moment of their life did you know did they choose to dramatize like we tried to pick key moments where they really made a choice for god or they made a choice to follow their vocation and, uh, and so those are powerful, but then also we kind of threw in uh, a lot of factual information at the end. So there's, right. there's the notes about their lives, and then there's also the lesser-known facts. Um, they, I will say this, they are very well-researched. I spent a lot more time <laughs> researching time than writing. These. No, um, yeah. that's
0: great. So yeah, at the end, each saint has a, there's a prayer, there's the, the facts, notes on the person's life, yeah. facts, and then, and then a quote. Yes, right? always
5: a quote from their writings, whenever or something they said, whenever we could find. So it's it. also
0: useful for catechists, oh, yes. homilists.
5: Yes, we've come. We've actually matched up saints to different sacraments and the beatitudes and different passages and scripture from scripture. Passages.
0: I wanted to. I wanted to ask you about that. So why yes. was that the original idea? Oh, wouldn't be neat if we could find the same for each sacrament?
5: Well, yes. You know, um, the church has been talking for a little while now about presenting the saints in conjunction with. Um, the truths of our faith, like to kind of show how do you live this particular virtue, right? And um, it's in a lot of the church's uh, recent catechetical guidelines. And so we decided, well, let's let's actually take that and really make it practical. Let's make the saints really practical.
0: So, so there are two books: Saints Alive, the Faith Proclaimed. This is the one that you have About a the saint for each beatitude, beatitude
5: and, and the sacrament. for each sacrament. Yes, yeah, so we have actually, two saints more than
0: two saints for, for each. each. Yes, but it's organized in the same way. There, there's notes on their lives fun facts or lesser-known facts. The lesser-known
5: facts are the fun facts Quotes. because, yes, of course, they're the ones that even if you know the saint, you may not know this about them. Yeah, no, it's and neat. So it was fun.
0: And then Saints Alive the Gospel Witnessed is the one where you've matched each saint with a particular scripture, scripture passage. Passages. How did you pick the scripture passages? Did you, you know, pick the saint first and then the scripture passage? The chicken and the egg?
5: You know, I have a feeling it came out of both. I made some suggestions. Sister Mary Leah organized that book and I organized the faith oh, proclaim. Okay. okay. So matching the saint, I will say matching every saint with the Beatitude, like sometimes I had five or six saints vying for like one beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Right. So it really became a a, a choice a of <laughs> yes, it was it was like
0: Which saint is stronger? <laughs> well,
5: uh, well which saint uh, can provide another perspective on how we can grow in holiness? Yeah, yeah, um yeah. which saint is from a different part of the world? You know, we wanted to get saints from all walks of life. We wanted to get a lot of lay people in there. Yeah, a lot you, of lay Yeah, and saints. you did
0: you did that. I mean, there's 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 saints for every every culture, every continent, every language group.
5: We tried. We really tried. Men,
0: women. Because
5: we're all called to holiness. Children,
0: Children young people. Yes. Religious people, ordained people. Married. Married Married couples. couples.
5: Yeah, yeah.
0: One saint that really inspired you?
5: Oh, uh, Blessed Peter Torot, who is a saint from Papua New Guinea, who is considered a martyr for marriage. Um, basically, his village was converted to, most of his village was converted to Christianity around the time that he was born, like it, Christianity had been around for 20, 30, 40 years. Right. And um, so he became a catechist in the village with, with a very large role. He didn't just teach religion in one hour a week. Right. He really was a pastor. So did you leader. say Papua New Guinea? And he was in Papua, Papua New, Guinea. New Guinea. And he never moved away, he never traveled, he wasn't that well educated. He was considered well educated for his village because uh. he he listened, he studied with the priests But he was just an ordinary guy. Matter of fact, his sister, after his death, called him. He was extraordinarily ordinary. And I love that because he was just he loved to eat. He was very proud of his kids. Um, He fought with his wife when they were first married. He just an ordinary guy. And yet when it during World War Two, the Japanese actually conquered that part of Papua New Guinea and to create chaos. To kind of divide up people they uh, in the villages so that they wouldn't have to worry about you know, the people uprising. They wanted to use it as a base for military support. They uh, uh, started saying that polygamy was, was okay, was legal. And so he was trying to protect uh, the young people of his village and really standing up for, for the values of, of really? the sacrament of matrimony. And he was uh, arrested and then actually executed without trial. He was in prison for some time and then executed.
0: Interesting. So he was standing up for marriage. Marriage. So a saint
5: for marriage. How beautiful is that? So he's
0: the sacrament of marriage? Yes, he is. In the faith proclaimed? Interesting. Now, so, you know, we're always told that, I mean, a saint is not just someone who's in heaven, although they are, but it's someone who's been set apart as a model. Yes. God says, or the church says, this person's not just in heaven, there's probably a lot of people in heaven, that, but they haven't been canonized. Right. Um, so, how, how are these people models of faith for us? Do we have to proclaim our faith and proclaim the gospel and witness At the least. gospel? Yeah. Is that enough to call ourselves saints?
5: I think as say, we're all saints in the making. I think the important mm. thing is to see it as a journey, uh, that we're all growing. In, uh, in living our, our life in God, living, growing in faith, hope, and love, which is basically the essence of even a canonized saint. They look at faith, hope, and love in the person's life. Right. And so we're all called to do that. But yes, I think a key part is living our faith and then proclaiming it through our example, but also through our words and actions and our choices. So. Yeah, I think the saints, you know, they're models, but they're also friends. And mm. I, I pray, there's a couple of saints I really pray a lot to. Who do you I, pray a lot to? Oh, I pray a lot to St. Paul uh, as my patron, a yeah. daughter of oh. St. Paul. Yeah, okay. Um all right. Um, because of his, well, because of his huge heart yeah. and uh, his passion yeah. for living for living Christ. But I also, you know, there's other saints that I, I well, I loved researching all of them. Yeah, but I Yeah, there's so many. I I can't even pick favorites anymore. I have so many favorites. I have some good ones: St. Ignatius,
0: St. Francis Xavier, St. Catherine of Siena. Oh yes, um, all of those are great. uh, Blessed Cat. Oh, she's St. Catherine. St. Catherine. Anyway, we have to leave it there. Thank you so much. Thank you for writing the books. They're co-written with Sister Mary Leah Hill. Yes, she's also a daughter of St. Paul. Yes. Um, uh, Published by Pauline Books Books and Media. And Media. Pauline Books and Media. And so, if people want to find out more, they should just go to pauline.org that was a conversation i had with sister marie paul Curley, our windows to the soul correspondent a few weeks ago she is the co-author of two new books saints alive the gospel witnessed and saints alive the faith proclaimed you can get them at pauline.org or if you are in canada you can also call 1-800-668-2078 that's 668-2078 and here now is our featured band of the week Jacob and Matthew Band with Take This Life from their new album Trust
1: Separate me Pull me apart till these walls down You see through All of me Unashamed Suddenly I'm aware, nothing else can compare to your love Take this life, everything now, all that I am, all that I long for You're my God, heaven come down I
0: Jacob and Matthew band with Take This Life from their album, Trust. Now, Jacob Villalobos and Matthew Leon came together as high school students to sing at a weekend retreat in their hometown in Southern California. And this was the first time that the two came together to lead worship. But that was the beginning of a great partnership. As time went on, requests for them continued coming, and the pair were now on demand. Today, the Jacob and Matthew Band has five members, and you can tell by the two songs that we've heard that with their music, they are actually saying that they can praise God and at the same time rock out. And I had the chance to meet the Jacob and Matthew Band this past summer in Rio de Janeiro for World Youth Day, and so I'm very happy to welcome two of the band members, founding member Matthew Leon and his brother Michael Paul. Welcome, you guys, to the Salt and Light Hour.
9: Hey, thanks for having us, Deacon. Thank you, Deacon.
0: So, Matthew... Um, I've I've read that you described receiving an anointing during that retreat when you first played with Jacob. What what, what do you mean, an anointing?
8: Well,
9: when when I agreed to say yes uh, to doing the retreat with Jacob, I was just getting out of a, a record contract. Michael Paul and I were getting out of a record contract with Atlantic Records. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, for a little bit, I, I would say that I was um, a little disappointed and kind of over... Doing music, so when Jacob contacted me to help out at the parish um, on the retreat, I was a little bit hesitant. Um, not because I didn't want to help out with the retreat, just because I was uh, questioning my musical abilities. Mm-hmm. So when we went on the retreat and um, I agreed to do it, there the the the, the spirit that was moving um, in, in the retreat was just very very uh, present and very evident. And it was the first time that I felt a calling to do something that that wasn't for my own will but but just to give back my gift that God has, has given me.
0: So, right. So it was some sort of confirmation there for you. As absolutely. Well. There was now, there
9: was a big confirmation.
0: Okay, let me just get some background though. How old were you?
9: I was nineteen years old at this time.
0: Okay, so you weren't in high school?
9: No, 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 no. Um I, right out of high school we were signed to Atlantic Records.
0: You and your and, brother?
9: Yes, correct and um
0: but oh, sorry i'm doing secular music
9: correct yes doing secular music
0: okay so and you you knew this jacob person
9: you know what i knew jacob i met him in high school he was a freshman and i was a senior in high school okay and i asked him to come and try out for our choir um uh-huh. unfortunately he had declined because he was part of um his youth group, and he led the worship on Friday evenings. Right. And a lot of our competition and um, practices were held on Friday evenings. So right, that's so, one thing he could not commit to. So, so we stayed friends throughout the, the year, and as soon as I graduated, that's when I was contacted to help out. But you'd
0: never, you'd never played with him? No. And never where were you in your faith life at 19?
9: You know what? That's a great question. Um, I recently rediscovered my faith by the end of my senior year in high school. Uh-huh. And I had this fire and zeal just to, to take over the world. <laughs> um, very naive at that age, um, thinking that I was going to uh, help change and, and convert people's hearts to, to fall in love with Christ. And, and I thought I was going to do that for the rest of my life, which right. I still am.
3: Yeah, I am are. a youth
9: minister full-time and a confirmation coordinator. Yeah, um, But I do it in, in, in a level-headed way as opposed to a naive, um, on-fire
0: yeah, it's like yeah. that
9: is just ready to take on the entire yeah, world. Yeah, no,
0: that's okay. You're not 19 years old anymore. No. What, uh, uh Michael Paul, is he there? Yes, he is. Michael, Michael Paul. So you guys were doing music as brothers. What was it like growing up in the Leon household? Were you, was it a very musical household?
3: Yeah, I'd say so. Um, you know, my dad played guitar and uh, would sing us, you know, folk songs and, you know, sort of stuff of that era, you know, when he grew up, which is like in the 60s and the 70s. And yeah. So, you know, he'd bring a lot of the stuff that he loved to, to, to sing and play, and, and he'd, you know, teach us, you know, songs, you know, from, like, you know, from James Taylor to Paul Simon to, um, to Crosby, Sills, and Nash, you know, all that really, really, you know, sort of prominent stuff that right. was happening back then. And,
0: and did you guys have to take music lessons, or was that something just just that happened by
3: chance? Uh, or no, how? we've never f- formally taken any music lessons um uh, it's always just sort of been something that we've just sort of cultivated on, on our own and, and at home and, and with each other. So, um, yeah, we've never really had any formal training um, as far as like playing instruments or
1: right. singing. I mean, you know, here and
3: there, you know, we would, you know, get a chance at what it is to have a vocal lesson, but, you know, we've never had like somebody who's trained us, you know, for years on end to, right. know, to, to develop that way.
0: Yeah. And who's older? Are you older?
3: No, no, I'm younger. Matthew, you're younger than Matthew.
0: So a year younger. So you guys were very close growing up. How did this? How did you end up being a band signing a record deal with? Was it Atlantic Le- Records? You said.
3: Yeah, it was Atlantic Records. Uh, we were uh, my brother and I always sang together, and uh, you know, along with our older brother Mark, but uh, okay. he wasn't necessarily part of the
0: Mark, Matthew, at the and Michael Paul. Yes. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So the three of you sang together but only the two of you got the record
1: deal
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay. i don't know mark, how, how mark got the bum end of the deal no mark mark was, <laughs> was doing his own thing at the, at the moment and he wasn't necessarily part of that sort of realm of musical pursuit that we were part of so um you know matthew and i growing up and singing together it's just something we always had done actually matthew had snuck me into his a couple of his uh, his choir shows uh-huh. Um, yeah, it is public high school. I went to private high school. Matt went to public high school, and mm-hmm. Matt snuck me in a couple times just to be part of something uh, you know, like right. that. Um, he's a good big brother um, about 2% of the time. And about 98% of the time, he always gave me a hard time. That's a joke, everybody. Sorry, yeah, Matt's a good yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, that's good. Um, d- before, before you pass on the phone back to Matthew, yeah. tell me, so Matthew has this little gig thing going on with this Jacob person. Mm-hmm. How did then the band Get formed. Did Did you remember Matthew coming home one day and saying, "Hey, Michael Paul, we we need we need a a singer. You know, can you can you can you join us? How did that work?
3: Yeah, I think uh, you know how that happened was uh, Jacob was over at that point. Matthew and Jacob were you know comrades, friends. You know, and they were doing their thing, and I was just sort of on the outskirts listening to what was happening as they developed their first project, scene in the making. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I, I had given some input on some new songs that they were writing on our the second EP called Jacob's Ladder. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, I started helping with the writing process uh, at that moment. And, you know, I sang a little bit and helped out with the melodies. And, and at that moment, I, I wasn't necessarily a guitar player. I didn't really play guitar much. Uh-huh. I just knew that I liked to sing, and, and there was a part of me that really liked to write songs. So, um, you know, there was this moment that we shared. We are like, man, we're young. We love Jesus let, let's 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 try something. Let, let's you know, let's give it a shot. Let's let's together as, as as the three of us try to write uh, really good music for for the church and for for God. And, and I think there was sort of a defining moment when uh, we went to this like hole in the wall studio in Anaheim. Yeah. Um. And we recorded the, this EP for like two hundred fifty dollars. You know, yeah. when that was something that you had to do to pay for production. And yeah. and uh, we listened to the, to the tracks back, and I mean, you listen to it now, they're awful, but. Oh my gosh, we were having a great time listening to them, you know, after we had gone to the studio for three hours to record five songs. Yeah. And uh, it was at that moment we were like, all right, well, I guess we're going to continue on. And and it's been going on since then.
0: And so, but it was the three of you to start, and then since then you've acquired a bass player and a drummer.
3: Well, we had had a drummer, um, we had, had a drummer named Renee and, and a bass player who, had, who was there from the beginning to help with Matthew and Jacob in the band, okay. Michael DeBalas. Uh, yeah. Yeah. to start and they were there in the studio to record that stuff but for the songwriting and whatnot, um, you know that was sort, sort of Matthew, Jacob and I right from um, you know
0: right okay so pass the phone back to Matthew sure um, uh, Matthew <coughs> how yeah. so, so uh, you have correct me if I'm wrong there's Everyday is an album Trust is your newest album
9: correct and we have one more before that it's called Universal
0: Universal okay and so what's new what's what's coming down the pipes for you how uh, now that you're done with trust
9: now that we're done with trust we are in works of uh, making a liturgical album for world library publications Uh and also um, a signature jacob and matthew album Um, so we're in the middle of doing two projects uh, at the same time. Okay, and good. We're really excited right now.
0: And you're basically in the Southern California area. Do you have any tours coming up, or? Um, ab- actually,
9: we do. We are heading to Vancouver. Oh, Canada. <laughs> good. November first, second, third, and fourth. We're going to be doing their Spirit Day out there for the Diocese of
0: Vancouver. Excellent.
9: And then, as soon as we're done with that, we're going to head over to the National Catholic Youth Conference in Indianapolis.
0: Yeah, nice. To go
9: do some 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 stuff out there for for
0: ncyc excellent okay good so that's good to know um that's all the time we have we're going to leave it there Uh, this is great Uh, your music is great you guys are doing great work um i'm really excited to to have our listeners get to meet a new group that's doing good stuff and i know a lot of people in your area are going to be seeking you out but if you're in vancouver november 1st second third and fourth spirit day anybody who's involved in the church in vancouver knows about that um and if anybody is thinking of going to ncyc in indianapolis uh also at the end of november Um, they can uh, look up the Jacob and Matthew Band. Thanks, you guys.
9: Thank you, Deacon. Deacon.
0: That was Matthew and Michael Paul Leon of the Jacob and Matthew Band. You can learn more about them at their website, jacobandmat.com. Their music is published by World Library Publications. And here they are now from their new album, Trust, with the song People Rise Up.
1: Steadfast we walk this journey with Christ The love of God rooted in our lives Led by your love We go where you lead Proclaiming Christ and blessing the nations Nuestra confianza en ti Los corazones se abren dejando Que nos renueve tu amor
0: we're listening to people rise up by jacob and matthew band from the newest album trust and that will take us to the end of the program next week we're giving away a copy of trust by the jacob and matthew band all you have to do is go to our website saltanlighttv.org radio and look for where it says stay connected for a chance to win weekly prizes just enter your name and email address for a chance to win And remember that if you missed a part of this program, you can stream or podcast all Salt and Light Hour programs at that same website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where you can now listen to uninterrupted Catholic music and devotions, Christian music like never before. Thanks to the generous support of artists like the Jacob and Matthew Band and World Library Publications. Check out our website and learn how you can listen to online or on the go on your mobile device, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And if you're on Facebook, look us up, facebook.com slash slradio1. That's the number one. And you can also find me on Facebook. Look for Deacon Pedro. And my Twitter handle is at Deacon Pedro GM. Thank you for your support, for your donations. We can't do what we do without your financial support. And thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro. And this has been the Salt and Light Hour.
1: People, Send to shine The light of Christ forever Nos mantenemos firmes poniendo Nuestra confianza en ti Los corazones se abren dejando Que nos renueve tu amor People rise up, hold firm by the light
7: of your living
1: word, people rejoice, do not fear, for we trust that I love.